welcome to Minute 27 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and once again, joining me today is Jim O'Kane of the Apollo 13 Minutes, the Rocketeer Minute, and lots of other minutes, including a few collaborative projects <laughs> that are going on as we speak. Welcome yeah. back to the show, Jim. Thanks for having me on, Rob. I appreciate it very much. And uh, it's it's interesting watching this film. It we, we're in the least action filled week, so there's but it's it's great character development and a lot of uh, uh, letting John Candy show his chops here. So I, I'm I'm enjoying this this particular minute that we're in. I'm I'm very happy to hear that. I mean, that's one of the the, the pluses and minuses of movies by minute podcasts is that you will have episodes that are more dialogue driven and more action driven. It depends on the movie, obviously, but you know, you, you deal with it all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember it, we were my first podcast I was doing was for the the 1970 movie Airport, and somewhere in the middle of it all, uh, there's the the airplane is landing, and there's just snow coming down outside of uh, the the front windows of the plane, and Dean Martin's looking out the window, and it starts with him saying the word Roger, and <laughs> and that's the whole minute. We're just looking out the window at snow, so. Uh, I think we had a we might have had a meteorologist on to talk about snow at different altitudes, but I can't remember. It was just it was I mean, one that, of those. Oh that my makes gosh! Sense. How, yeah, how to sense. cover this one is going to be a trick. But uh, well, the, this the, one's good. The first episode of uh, the first minute of this movie also has one line of dialogue. So, but but we still churned out I think a forty-five minute episode. So we're we're good. <laughs> yeah, just go go large. That's all you can. Do. Let's let's get a bigger picture here. Exactly, um, completely. So. Yeah. Episode 27 begins with Dell beginning his retort to Neil from what we were discussing yesterday about his diatribe and ends with Neil contemplating how to actually react to everything that's going on. Okay, so yesterday we had the end of Neil's diatribe where he got pretty mean and basically we had Dell start to respond and he goes, yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. I could be a cold hearted cynic just like you. But I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Well, you can think what you want about me. I'm not changing. I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. And that's all the dialogue we have here. Again, it takes him a little while longer to get this dialogue out than Neil. When Neil gave his diatribe yesterday, he had a lot more to say within that minute. But he still takes his time with these 60 seconds and does a great job. Because it tells us so much about his personality of who he is. These few little sentences. As poignant as it could be, given what we find out about his wife later on in the in the film, but it's just it, it, on rewatching it, you get more feelings about the the depths of his. You know what what would otherwise be depression for him, um, and things that he holds on to in life. Um, but it, yeah, it's really yeah, Candy right. really expresses the character here well. He really he's he stops being a cartoon, and um and you really you just want to hug the big lug, you know, uh, as he's going through this, and and you want to tell you want to jump in and tell Steve Martin off, even though he's even though uh, Martin's character is the organizing sensibility. I mean, we're we're supposed to identify with Steve Martin, but uh, in this in this moment, we're feeling for Dell. Uh, he's, he's our, uh, our proxy. Right. We feel like, you know, good for him for standing up to him and, and explaining that he's going to be the real person that he is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the music here helps with that so much. 
I mean, you, you, the, the music is very emotional yeah, and yeah. makes everything um, feel a lot it's, more it's real. It's so impressive. With the way that, 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 it, that it moves along. I'm sure there are, uh, you know, raw footage of this available. I would just love to see how many takes, because this seems like it would be very draining to, to act this way in front of a Especially camera. Especially for like, comedians. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just being able to <laughs> bring pathos to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just very, um, very tough on, on there. Yeah, and I mean, Adele does a great job by showing how much emotion he has in this whole thing. He's he's on the one hand trying to hold back, but he still knows that he needs to respond. And when he's finished with what he says, he just finishes the speech and sits down on the bed and basically says, you know, screw you. I'm, I'm going to continue acting the way that I have always acted because that's the right way to do it. And I don't care what you think. Yeah. You know, and. I found it interesting that 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 he calls him a a cold-hearted cynic. Yeah, you know that that that's an interesting because again he, as as we mentioned the end of last week when when Dell talked back to Neil, he basically doesn't he 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 keeps his tone down to a a pleasant tone. You know he doesn't start calling people names. He doesn't start cursing or anything like that. He still speaks in a very uh, wholesome manner, I guess you can say. So to call him a cold-hearted cynic, it, it shows also that, that this is he's yeah. educated. He's not just some guy off the street. You know, he knows what he's saying and, and, and why he's see, saying it. We've seen in the past, we've seen, um, you know, he has all these friends. Dell has, has friends everywhere. So he didn't get that way by being nasty, by being cynical. Um, all these people care about him enough to give him a hotel room when there is no, there are no hotel rooms the day before Thanksgiving and things. And just, he's a likable guy who everybody sees except for Steve Martin, who's, you know, it, it's like, it's it, it, how he doesn't understand that this guy, even though he might be loud, he might be, uh, a bit, uh, you know, he takes up all, all the air in the room. Um, it's, it's still, it's, if there's a problem with, if there's a problem with Dell, it's Steve Martin's problem. It's not his problem. He's not, you know, everybody right. else seems to get along with him. So, correct. I mean, they're, they're, when when you go deeper into the script, you you see some of the ways of how he knows people. I mean, the you mentioned the fact that he was able to get this room from Gus. Okay, in the original script, Gus mentions that the reason the room wasn't rented out is because someone died in it the night before. <laughs> And and then he mentions the name of the guy who died, and Dell actually knows who that was. Wow! You know, which which again shows that Dell is very personable and knows everyone around. He's you know he's he's the norm of cheers. Yeah, and, in this movie. Yeah, and I, I think about um, the famous author and uh, basically a social engineer uh, Dale Carnegie. Dale, Dale Carnegie uh, wrote he wrote the book How to Win Friends and Influence People and the number the number one rule that D Dale Carnegie stressed was that if you express an in a sincere interest in the lives of others uh, you will win uh, other people's friendship because everybody's favorite topic is themselves so um, I think that what you see in Dell is he does express a sincere interest you can't you you can try to fake interest, but if you actually are sincere about it, um, pe people are drawn to that idea that you you want to be, uh, you, you want to know about them. You want to hear about their favorite topic, which is themselves. And I think, uh, you know, he, Neil doesn't Neil doesn't get that. Neil doesn't get he he thinks 
everything is transactional. You know, I have to do this so that you'll give me this. But really, if it if it grows up organically, as as Dell's found, you make friends and they do things for you without having to ask. Right. Exactly. There's there's no question about that. I mean, that that that's the main difference between the two of them. You know, the, you can also look at it from that they they both have different social standings. You know, you have one of them is is in high, is is a high class person. I mean, Neil is you know you see his house, you see that he was supposed to fly first class and everything, and then you see Dell who, even though he has his expenses probably paid by his company, he's still doing things in a modest way in order to get his job done. Because he, yeah. he enjoys yeah, I, himself. He enjoys what he's doing. He enjoys meeting all these people. Yeah, and that's, that's his, that's his uh, compensation in life is that he has all these friends across, uh, you know, across the country. Um, and you know, it's, it's very odd because Steve Martin's character is in advertising and he should be understanding how to persuade people. He had, how to, you know, I mean, he's, he spends all that time at the beginning where he's waiting out, uh, uh, his, his boss or client, you know, his client slash boss that, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, between two different things, and he doesn't understand that being impatient and being frustrated with things doesn't sell your product. Which he his product is to selling other people uh, on persuasion, which he's very bad at. Right. Well, well, again, in 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 Neil's defense, we don't know specifically what his job is in the advertising campaign. You know, it is possible yeah. that he's not the ideal man. It's possible that he's there. Maybe maybe the guy who was with John Dole, you know, for Spieler's father. Or yeah. as as we came as we realized it's not it can't be Ferris Bueller's father but maybe it's his <laughs> uncle or maybe he just changed his name to to protect himself so that people wouldn't say oh you're Ferris's father who knows <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, but but it, it yeah it's it's just like even if he wasn't the idea guy he still has to be like the customer support guy he has to be he seems to be some kind of a product manager or or client manager that has to know how to deal with people right. you know and, and of the two people. Uh, Dell is definitely the man for the job. If you're going to find somebody that's going to sell shower rings, I mean, picturing China, China market that he's the man, he's the number, probably the number one man on the country that can sell shower rings to, you know, hotels or wherever. And people just um, in bus stations. Yeah, exactly. You know, new earrings and stuff. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dive into, the, the personalities by just comparing how they how they respond to life right because because each of these these two characters have a completely different perspective on everything i mean that's one of the great things about this this entire scene in the motel you have these two people coming from completely different situations and they're both looking at it that they're in the right here and the other one is in the wrong but the way that it's all presented to us is we can see both their viewpoints and empathize with both of them and not know who we're supposed to be rooting for here I, yeah, I, I agree, and it it it's um, uh, Neil doesn't have much of he, he doesn't doesn't have much uh, uh, slack in his rope. He he's not, he's very, he's stretched very much. If it if he's not first class, if he's not staying at the you know the uh, the, the Hilton, he's it, it, it he's put upon. But um, you know Dell. Dell carries around a steamer trunk and is happy enough to get into a, a travel lodge at you know if if there's a if there's a roof over his head he has it made so um yeah it's it's interesting just the the juxtaposition of of those two two walks of life especially during and and Hughes does this a, a lot because he feels the the pressure is during 
um, holiday times. I mean, you think about National Lampoon's Vacation, or you think about, uh, you know, he wrote, he didn't direct, but he wrote uh, Home Alone. Um, all mm-hmm. these things, uh, family, and uh, things that are normally pleasant, that you think of as pleasant, uh, family and holidays uh, for people in the John Hughes universe, are that's the most stressful time of all. And uh, Yeah, completely. You know, and you just wonder if if it's that bad at a time when you're supposed to be happy. What's it like on you know? What's it like in the middle of July or something? Or you know, where where wherever you're not having uh, family get-togethers or, or or seeing people, um, do these people live like this? You know, twenty-four-seven, three-sixty-five a year. It's right. Um, yeah, and but you know, again, all this gets compressed down into this this interaction that we're seeing in in, in this minute and the, the surrounding minutes. Yeah. That's true. So I just want to point a few things out that, that happened in this minute that are a little interesting. Now, last week we had a whole long discussion about pillows, and we, we talked about the fact that Dell has his own pillow that he uses. And they keep – there's continuity errors here because there are time. I mean, my first question last week was that if Dell is not using the pillow from the motel, so that would mean that Neil should have two pillows. He should have given him his pillow. But he didn't. Neil is only on one pillow. So at this point, we once again see that Dell's pillow is there, and there is no other pillow underneath. Okay, we'll we'll, mm. we'll get to that later in the week because that that pillow will yeah. will reappear for some some strange <laughs> reason. You know, uh, all in support all in support of the plot. Of course, <laughs> of course, of course. And this is also the the very first mention of Dell's wife. I mean, we saw pictures of Marie. When, when he got into the motel, and we see it in this minute also, because we, we have her picture prominently on, on the nightstand, you know, for him to always look at. Knowing what what her fate is by having seen the movie before, it changes things a little bit by by him saying this phrase, because he says it in the present tense, my wife likes me. You know, he doesn't say, yeah. my wife liked me, or, you know, the, he, he still is... I guess maybe he's he's somewhat in denial that she's no longer around. Yeah, and, or that he has to maintain this appearance so that people don't. I mean, maybe he's trying to dissuade others from grieving for him. It's it's one of those. Um, this there's a. Well, I'll get into I'll get into a personal story. My uh, my first wife uh, uh, died when my children were very young, and. Um, one of the things that my kids have had difficulties with in relationships is uh, no matter what relationship you get into, uh, eventually you have to drop what my what my family calls the mom bomb. <laughs> you have to tell people about uh, you know about these circumstances, and and you have to like lead them through grief. They say, "Oh, I'm so sorry for you. What a terrible thing to happen now. You know how what, what was it like when you were growing up? Blah 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 blah." So anytime they meet somebody new, they know that sometime they're going to have to drop the mom bomb. And then, you know, you have to set aside time and say, okay, we're going to talk about this and then we don't have to talk about it anymore because I've lived through it and this was years ago and, you know, you're at a different stage in uh, processing all this stuff. So, you know, I I think about this. This is like the Marie bomb that he doesn't want to drop the Marie bomb because then he's going to have to console Neil over things that he didn't want to get into. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to chat about. So, um, you know, I can I can feel that part that he just says, well, they don't have to know that, you know, my, my wife is no longer with us. And, uh, you know, and uh, so he and then that became a habit with him. Um, 
and I think that's you know this is the first time that pops up yeah. in the in the script, but it's you know this is just his way of dealing with not having to deal with other people, having to deal. Yeah, with Yeah, I mean his one of the things that, that I mentioned a few weeks ago when when the the picture actually popped up in the motel room, I think this was two weeks ago when we discussed it. So in the original script, it actually says that the picture is somewhat faded and looks like it's years old, which obviously the picture that we see isn't that way, but it's interesting that in the script, it already gives a little bit of a hint to the fact that this is not a recent picture. Yeah, it's from this is from his past, yeah. not from his, his present. And he never calls right. her or anything. Or we don't so see that he calls her. I mean, there, there are yeah. things going on that we're not yeah. going to see, yeah. obviously. All right, do you have anything else you want to say about this, this particular minute? No, a short minute, but a great one. I mean, it's uh, it really gives us more insight. Well, it's still 60 seconds. Yeah, I know, I know, but there's there's some minutes that drag on forever. And you're like, oh, my gosh, how am I going <laughs> to – at least you're not saying Roger and looking at the snow. So that's <laughs> – Exactly. Yeah. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> All right. So in the script, there's a, it, it's a, it's a very small discrepancy. So basically, when Dell is talking, he says, "I like people, Neil. I even like you." They add in that little phrase by him, also saying that he likes Neil, and then he says, "People are my business. They're my business because I've made them my business." That also adds a little bit more to the character. I'm I'm curious as to why they cut those particular lines out. And then at the end, when he talks about the fact that he says, because I'm the real article, I'm a human being. And then he says, flaws, fat, and farts. I'm flesh and blood. So I can understand why they cut that out because it's just not yeah, it's Yeah, and it's it's probably also not how he'd talk. He just kind of he kind of just rolls through life being a – he's a salesman for himself all over – all the yes. time. So I, I don't think he'd want to be you know either rude or even impolite. He's very – very straightforward in most most of these things. So, and plus, you know, as you said before, the, the movie ran four hours. <laughs> you got something somewhere. You might as well get a couple of paragraphs off the bottom yeah, of it. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's very true. But yeah, again, more insight into the character. Yeah, completely. So every day we we do another segment called Off the Beaten Track, where myself or my guest will give a little adventure or misadventure that happened to us somewhere throughout our lives. So Jim, why don't you give us another oh. Off the Beaten Track story for us? Okay, let's uh, set the Wayback Machine for uh, May of 1969. Um, Apollo 10 is launching at uh, uh, the Kennedy Space Center. And uh, my parents and I are at a uh, Holiday Inn in Cocoa Beach, Florida, just south of uh, the Kennedy Space Center. And uh, springtime in Florida, which is like 80, 90 degrees. Um, and there's a pool, and I'm I'm nine years old, and uh, have off from school uh, for a couple of days to go watch the launch. And I'm down there uh, swimming in the pool. And uh, this older fellow gets in, get, uh, comes out with a, a towel, throws it on a, throws it on a, um, uh, one of those lounge chairs and starts doing laps in the pool back and forth and back and forth. And I, you know, I'm just, I, I'm not doing laps. I'm just, I'm just splashing around the pool and, uh, all of a sudden, the guy was, you know, he's, I, I didn't realize I was in his lane where he, this, this, it's a, you know, it's a hotel pool. It doesn't have lanes, but he's just plowing away and um, he banged into me and I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then he, he uh, stood up in the pool to see what he had hit and he found it hit me. And it turned out it was uh, CBS newsman Walter Cronkite who was down covering the launch of Apollo 10. And wow. I, I was like, it's Walter Cronkite. And, uh, CBS News at the time had they kind of permanently rented out a couple of hotel rooms in uh, in the hotel, and they actually had put in gold leaf CBS 
news on on the windows of this of this hotel in Cocoa Beach. So that was my literal run-in with uh with Walter Cronkite at uh, during the launch of Apollo 10. I didn't I, I I didn't see him after that until many years later. I was going to school in um I was going to school in Manhattan or in the Bronx at, at Fordham University. And I was writing on uh, media history. I was writing about uh, CBS, CBS move toward color television in the 50s. And um, uh, I was going into the CBS headquarters to talk with one of their uh, one of their engineers who had worked on the original CBS color. And uh, I'm cutting across this very large um, – uh, uh, there's a, a kind of a, a patio op- – I mean a, a, a long plaza in front of – uh, CBS, the office is known as BlackRock because it's made out of black granite. So I'm walking into BlackRock, and this other guy is coming toward me, and um, I, I noticed it's Walter Cronkite, and this is this is. And he probably said, "No, oh, you're that kid that bothered and me I said, when Mr. I was trying to take a swim." I, <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, I, I said, I, I said to him, I said, I said, Mr. Cronkite, we we met when I was uh, back back at Apollo 10. You were swimming. And he looked at me and he said, "Oh!" And then he walked, he walked past me and got in a car. But I don't know if he remembered me. I remembered it, but I don't know how many kids he's bumped into in pools uh, over over time. But it was interesting seeing him uh, so many years later uh, after oh, wow. after our little run in. So anyway, that's that's my that's my. That's uh, a great one. Thank you very much. So why don't you once again tell people how they can get in touch with Jim O'Kane? Well, if you want to hear all of my different podcasts, they are uh, easily found at jimokane.com. J-I-M-O-K-A-N-E dot com. Uh, I've got links to all my older podcasts, and uh, including the current one, which is the group project. I'm acting as producer for the Silverado Minute, uh, where we go over uh, Lawrence Kasdan's film, Me and 26 of My Best Friends, <laughs> uh, do, doing uh, uh, doing this all as kind of a Whitman sampler of, uh, of movies by Minutes host, uh, doing one week each uh, or five minutes of uh, the Lawrence Kasdan film. Uh, so check that, that out. It's not available at SilveradoMinute.com. All right. Excellent. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher you might be using to listen to this show. And to find me, just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find my website. You can find me on Twitter. So, Jim, you want to come back again tomorrow? Sounds good. All right. Excellent. So, until tomorrow, you're f- uh, Basically, you're f- <laughs>